0: Welcome to Pre-K Spot Talks. I am Melissa, your host and the founder of Pre-K Spot, the spot for early childhood educators to open up their teaching. I am your guide down the open-ended child-led teaching path, and together we will explore strategies and ideas so that you may open up your teaching to less stress, more engagement, and an overall joyful child-led classroom. Hey, hey, educator friends, and welcome back to Pre-K Spot Talks. I'm your host, Melissa May, and this is season six, episode five, all about my play journey. We're going to call it Melissa's play journey. I've realized over time that I started to do some interviews of people who have play journeys so that they can share them and we can connect in lots of different ways. And I never actually shared my full deep play story or play Journey. And that is what I'm going to do with you this week on this week's episode. So let's get into it. First, just a little bit about me. Most of you may know, but for anybody who's new, I am Melissa May and I am currently a New York City preschool or New York City public school pre-K teacher where I practice a open-ended child-led play-based philosophy. And we are a bit more of a progressive school within a bit of the factory model in the country's largest school system. So while we have lots of DOE requirements and things like that to follow, we still hold fast and true to our more progressive philosophy. And that runs from pre-K through fifth grade. Just a little bit more about me before we move on and get nitty-gritty with the play. I am a mom to two little boys and a great big rescue doggy, and a wife to a huge Mets fan. And a couple fun facts about me. I have never driven any other car except a Honda. Well, I've driven other cars, but I've never owned any other car except a Honda. And I am a Girl Scout for life. I've received my silver award and gold award, and I'm very proud to... Be a Lifetime Girl Scout. And when I am not teaching, I am either shopping at Target or Amazon, drinking some coffee and hanging out with my kiddos. So now let's start at the beginning. One of the main reasons I decided I wanted to start doing play journey interviews is I want to share how everybody started with play. I was not always a play-based educator. I think I had play deep down in my heart, but this is not the way most people were taught, especially if you are within my age group of the 40 pluses. And I want everybody to be able to connect and realize that play is not always the go-to. So I started out in a traditional factory model education. I went to my undergrad for elementary education and I desperately wanted to be a fourth grade teacher. I also really loved teaching second grade. So I thought I did really well in all of my classes in my undergrad. I thought this is it. Teaching is for me. I declared when I was 10 that I wanted to be a teacher and I stuck to it. And Lo and behold, I get to my student teaching and it's a nightmare. I had so many great experiences and all of my practicums and things like that before this. But when it got to where we, I guess, really had to teach, if that's what you want to say, it all fell apart for me. I wasn't ready. I also don't think I fully understood what it took to be a teacher I also had lots of other factors. I don't want to blame it on other people, but I had a brand new cooperating teacher. Now, she wasn't a brand new teacher, but she was brand new to having a student teacher. So there was a lot of learning that she had to do and support and things like that. I had on the totally opposite end a hardcore supervisor who had been teaching and supervising for many, 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 many years, and she had her way or the highway And the combination of all of that just did not work out. I loved my kids, and it was an amazing experience in the way that I figured out exactly what I never want to do. I learned how to be more prepared because they had me writing at that point, this was say 2005, we were writing full seven step lesson plans. And the goal throughout student teaching was to wean yourself off of those seven step lesson plans because while they taught us to do that, they knew that that's not what all teachers do all the time. Well, they never weaned me off of them because they thought I was never ready. And I was writing, I don't know, close to 80 pages a week. In lesson plans so try keeping up with that while you are also living your college life I was on the dance team I was the captain of the dance team that year at my D1 school and trying to keep up with student teaching and my remaining classes so you can see here how also maybe not being ready and being young and immature, this just did not work out. I almost failed my student teaching. I'm pretty sure my supervisor told me that I should find a different career and that maybe I should quit and quit school. And I was like, are you kidding me? In the very last semester when I've been working four years plus two summers to get through all of this, you've got to be joking. So I took the L. I, I mean, I was OK with getting a low grade. It took my GPA way down. I would have graduated with honors, but I did not because of that grade. But I was okay with it because I learned so much from it. And I cried every day and it was awful. But I took away from it that I don't want to be an elementary school teacher. I knew that maybe those upper grades didn't work for me. Now, at the time, if you had told me to teach preschool, I'd have been like, you're crazy. So what happened was I got scared away from teaching altogether, and I you know, worked retail and did other jobs for a couple of years, but I knew in my heart I always, always, always wanted to be a teacher, and I was going to go back to it one day. I had this degree. What was I going to do with it? So to get back into teaching, I decided to start working at a daycare. Those were the jobs that were available. That was all I could really get at the time, and it was the perfect stepping stone back into teaching. And for me, it truly was the perfect stepping stone. I started teaching toddlers. I had the babies, the two-year-olds, and I fell in love. I mean, head over heels, hardcore for toddlers and early childhood. Now, this was in a franchised daycare, so there was still a lot of teacher directedness, but there was a philosophy of child-led and starting to understand that there shouldn't be worksheets and things like that. When I did my student teaching, when I was taught in college, we did all the things. Stick charts for reward charts. I think I had um, a stick chart where the children earned 10 sticks and then they could pick a prize or something like that. And I gave them sticks, took away sticks. We did um, compliment chains. We did it all. And we also did a ton of worksheets. While, of course, we were taught in whole child centers, things like that, it was still very much factory mental, teacher led, a little bit old school, I'd say, at this point. And working in the daycare started to step away from that. There was still a lot of teacher directedness, and they were okay with me taking what I thought were appropriate teaching practices, like putting up a circle wall for toddlers that, I mean, it didn't have like a calendar or anything, but it had shapes. It had numbers. It had, oh, other things. I mean, just, and it was high up because the kids kept ripping it off the wall because, well, you know what? They were two. Of course they kept ripping it off the wall. Oh, I look back on those days. I actually did an Instagram live about that when I found photos in my portfolio and all of my old things you should definitely check that one out. It's It really just shows the this part of my journey, the beginning of my journey and where I came from. and But the good thing about that was I also found my creativity. I found I was really to be able to be creative when we had themes like Museum Week. I had the kids doing lots of process art and they were spray painting things and they were getting their whole body into things. And I really started to discover my tolerance for mess and things like that it was really just understanding that I could let go of some of those traditional teaching ideas even though in this particular daycare we didn't really let go a lot of those so it was just little baby steps I also while I was working there learned about EI early intervention and early intervention services and and therapists, and I realized this is what I want to do, and I decided to go back to grad school so that I could do that, and I desperately wanted to go to NYU. I put all my eggs in one basket, and one of my friends said, you're crazy to put all your eggs in one basket. While well, you're amazing. You should apply to all of the other schools that have your program that have similar requirements. I knew I had to be in New York City, Growing up in New Jersey, it was time. It was time to move to the city because that's what a lot of, you know, Jersey girls do. You make your way to the city. You come back when you have kids, and it's just the way it goes. So I knew I wanted to be in the city. I desperately wanted to go to NYU, and my friend said, no, you can't just apply to one school. You have to apply to others. So it turns out that Teachers College, uh, Columbia University, and Hunter College had the same programs, same requirements. And all similar to varied costs. So I said, okay, I guess I have to apply to these two schools as well. I got into all three and shockingly got into Teachers College. I never thought I was an Ivy League girl. I was not Ivy League bred. I did not go to an undergrad that was going to push me towards an Ivy League. But I said, you know what? I got in. Plus, they're offering me more money in scholarship and less money in loans. I'm going to Teachers College I said goodbye to my NYU dream and went uptown to what was the best decision that I've ever made in my educational journey. And this was the real stepping stone in my play journey. At Teachers College, I also ran into a lot of classes and things from Bank Street and Bank Street... School of Education is in Morningside Heights as well in the Upper West Side, and I ran into a lot of girls there and a lot of crossover and programs, and they are, Teachers College and Bank Street are all play philosophy. They are child-led. This is what you do and what you learn at these schools. I started taking all of my classes, doing all of the requirements, and we were taught in one of our biggest classes all about like Montessori and Froebel's toys and how to be playful. And then we learned a lot about development and things like that. But the experiences that came with it, I got some experiences in play-based settings, some experiences in public school settings that were not play-based because this was the variety they wanted to show you. And... The best experience and my first real-life play experience was in the child care at Teachers College. I was a graduate assistant, again with toddlers because they were my jam. And this is where I was taught to be able to just step back and let the children lead. In this setting, that was literally what we did. We did not Come up with major lesson plans. We learned to observe the children, and we were not allowed to lead the children. We were told our job is to sit against the wall or along the walls or somewhere out of the way and let the children come to you. And obviously, if we saw something unsafe or they needed help with something, we went and helped them. But our job was to butt out. And it was lovely. You know, at first I was kind of like, oh, my God, what do I do with myself? Am I doing the right thing? And I really just, if you sit there, they will come to you. The children want to play with you. And they interacted with the materials and they moved about the room and there were no centers or things like that. Things were organized. But it was the best experience. And I soon realized how much that style of teaching clicked with me. It literally clicked. And I was like, this is what I want to do. This is how I'm going to do it. And what we did there, too, is we also, you know, observed the children. You know, a lot of them started talking about trips that they took after a, vaca- after a vacation or a break time. And before you knew it, we had keyboards and pieces of paper that looked like plane tickets because children had brought their plane tickets in and they were making their own plane tickets and making airplanes and playing planes. And our jobs were just there to be their supporters and to be with them. And obviously as adults in the room to supervise them. But our job was not there to teach them numbers or letters or content or anything like that. It was to answer their questions and to help them reach things and to help them set up things and to be their playmate. And we also did a lot, a lot of documentation in the form of a note that went home daily. Our job was to write about, Two or three of the children. We split the job between all of the adults, and we were able to write about them. And this was also a really great learning piece because I really learned how to observe and then how to reflect upon it. And this was much of the experiences that I started to have after grad school. I worked at a Reggio style school. It was kind of serendipitous. I was sitting in my uh, supervisor's office, and the Director of the school called and said, We need a toddler teacher. And she was like, Here you go. You are a toddler person. Go have this interview and call this lady. I got that job. And then I moved on to a different play based style school. And this was what is amazing about New York City is that there is so much belief in this. Now, of course, these were all private schools and they were for younger kids, twos or threes. And this is tougher to find in the public school, but I got very, very lucky, and I did some one-to-one. I did go to grad school to become a early intervention therapist, which I did. I did some ABA and what they call here in New York City see it special education itinerant teachers, because I did graduate with both my general and special education degree and certification, and... I had a child who was at the pre K center in my school or my current school, and he was turning five. I met the principal, my current principal. She, you know, the next day was like, Do you want a job? And this is how I got this position. And I also had one stint where I thought I needed to get a classroom job before I started doing EI. And I did work in a DOE school that was nowhere near play-based. It was very traditional, lots of worksheets, lots of factory model. And I cried every day. It was kindergarten. I cried every single day. I was like right brought right back to my student teaching again and realized that pre-K and under, is definitely where I needed to be, and that I would never enter the public school system again, un- unless it was pre-K. And so, when my principal offered me a job, she, I said, I would love one if it's pre-K. And she said, it's pre-K. And I said, woohoo! And so, that's when I was able to start creating my own personal play journey through my own teaching, not just through experiences that I had and other like schools being that philosophy. So that was the start of that. And really I've been lucky, I have to say. You know, I don't have to overcome too many obstacles here in the setting that I'm in because my principal believes in this. She very much believes in the play philosophy and being child-led and understanding the emergent curriculum. Of course, we do have DOE things that we have to do. So sometimes we do have to produce a couple of pieces of evidence or we do have to do a little bit of data or some assessments. But those don't generally get in the way of the overall play and philosophy, so thinking about some of the other questions that I typically ask other interviewees, that was my story and those were my catalysts for sh- the shift. You know, it was really just because the experiences I was having, the places that I were I were, I'm sorry, the places I I was working forced me into it. My one of my favorite things about play is really that it is it's just so universal. I've said this before, and you'll probably hear me say it again, that play is a universal language. All children speak it. Now, of course, they may not speak it in exactly the same way, but all children speak play. It's so natural and authentic and is so integrated of its learning. It is just, for me, it's just it. It's just the end-all be-all of how humans interact Humans are happier when they're playing. Children are happier. Adults are happier. Your brain literally lights up when you play. And what are some of my favorite loose parts or play materials? I have to say, I absolutely love the Velcro hair curlers as a loose part or play material because there's so many different things you can do with them. They come in different sizes, so they they stack within one another. They're Velcro, so they stick to a lot of things. They're plastic and structured, so you can build with them and put things on top of them. And because they're round, they roll a little bit too. They make a really great addition. Another loose part that I'm obsessed with that I got so lucky to find was jewelry displays. And the best part about the jewelry display pieces, you know, like the things that you would put on like a tabletop to like display a necklace, or the things that you would put bracelets on, the things that you see at stores that you probably don't pay attention to because you're looking at the jewelry, but next time you go, take a look at them. The cool thing about the ones that I found that I got at this donation place is that they're magnetic. So we have a magnetic pole in the classroom and you can magnetize and put like put them on and then you can wrap things through them or hang things on them and it, the kids absolutely love playing with them and plus it's more of an outside the box loose part you're usually not going to see those in other classrooms and that's it for my play journey I really hope that you enjoyed kind of understanding where I'm coming from and the experiences I bring to the t- As I share my knowledge and understanding of play and my experiences, I'm just here to spread the play-based love, and I hope you're here for it too. And I know you are if you're listening to this, especially if you made it to the end. And if you are an educator with a play journey that you would like to share, please reach out so that I can interview you and you can share your play journey so that we can all connect and find all of the different ways that play has brought us to where we are today and that's it for this episode. We will see you in the next one. Until then, play on.